Welcome to the Hate Your Locker podcast. On today's show, we are really lucky to have one of Ireland's trailblazers in tech, Kira Garvin, founder of WorkJuggle, an online platform connecting highly skilled professionals with flexible, remote and contract roles. Kira has been a notable contributor to the Irish technology industry over the past 15 years, holding senior roles in blue chip companies such as Accenture, Air and Meteor. We asked Kira to talk to us about the benefits of contracting, if it's a good way for organisations to scale up without making a huge investment, and the importance of making your contractors feel like they are part of the team in order to maintain a great work culture. Kira also talks to us about her collaborative academic research project with DCU on the future of work and calls upon HR managers to help by giving their valued insights. The link is included in the podcast. If you are considering contractors for your business, this is the show for you. We hope you enjoy it. Today, we are delighted to have Kira Garvin here from WorkJuggle. Kira, if you could introduce us, um, introduce yourself to, to our listeners. Sure, my name is Kira Garvin and I'm the founder of WorkJuggle. So at WorkJuggle, we connect people to flexible, remote and contract roles. Um, we actually, I founded the company about four years ago now and it was kind of based on my own experience of two things. One, daily rate contracting and also, I suppose, having small children and trying to get back into the workforce and kind of looking for jobs with a sort of a different perspective. So that's um, and since then we've branched out, we also do a lot of training, we also do a lot of work in terms of diversity and inclusion, um, but recruitment and particularly contract recruitment would really be the core of our business and what we do. So Kira, we're all talking about the future of work, are we in the future of work, is it coming, you know, what, what, what does it hold? Do you think contracting will be a part of the new way we work? Yes, I think it will. I mean, contracting, I think, has increased in popularity. Um, it's much easier to be a contractor now. Like, I remember 10 years ago when I first was doing daily rate contracting, and, like, the revenue would send you out this huge folder, this huge company stamp, and, like, hundreds of documents, and you'd just be like, oh, my God, you know, I'm so... What if I get this wrong? What if the revenue's going to come after me? You know, and I think all of that is really gone now. It's much easier to be a contractor, and I think people are becoming more comfortable with it. Where we've seen contracting growing over the last uh, 12 months is for companies who are looking to scale up. So they are, um, you know, it's been so difficult for businesses to know what way things are going to go. And so what has been really successful, successful for companies is I want to hire people, but I'm just a bit worried about doing it on a permanent basis. And then we've been able to find them and they've been able to scale up and get that growth that they need. So from that perspective, I think it's worked really well. Um, and I think what will be really interesting now is over the next six months, when people start to go back to the office and people start to maybe have conversations around, you know, it really works for me working remotely. I'd like to do that two days a week now, or it really worked for me, um, you know, having that bit of flexibility. And if organizations say no to that or aren't willing to have the conversation, then I can see those people flooding back into the contractor market, you know, and just saying, well, actually, other com- other organizations will give me this flexibility and contracting is great in that way. So I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens over the next six to nine months. Yeah, and I, I would agree with you that I think that in terms of whatever the future work may look like, flexibility is going to be the, the, the core to it and flexibility to how we work. Because we, we're all kind of used to, it's not just remote working, we're used yeah. to the flexibility around it. Um, and exactly, like you said, look, I have um, three kids at home and the flexibility that I have now in terms of collecting them from school and dropping them from school, and it's not affecting my work. 
yeah. um, the work yeah. still gets, gets, and gets it's done. But the only thing I'm a bit worried about is, if I'm honest, like, so what we've been doing for the last year hasn't been remote working. Yes. If you have children at home, that is not remote working. Like, that's impossible. It's emergency remote working. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And the tales you hear about people being burnt out and all, you know, and I think what's really interesting as well is, like, we were talking about this, like, 12, you know, before the pandemic. And now I think we've all been part of this huge, giant future of work experiment, the whole world. And now we have so much of a better understanding of what those trends really look and feel like and done for everyone, as opposed to just, um, you know, more kind of now that those trends have moved mainstream. So my only concern is people will think well actually that was really really hard you mm-hmm. know for some people and for some people it has been really hard but really that's not remote working and that's not flexible working you nobody can work and homeschool children at the same time no and i would totally agree with you. in in fact when the kids went back to school when my husband came back and he was like you're in such a good mood and i was like it's because i'm so not stressed today <laughs> I, know, I, know, I know i know i know I like I was saying the other day, what I'd really love to hear is to be able to hear a pin drop. Like that would be amazing. <laughs> amazing. Just like have quiet in the house, you know? And that's I, I definitely think that people haven't actually experienced remote working in yeah. the you know, what it actually has to offer rather than that it's just been traumatic. <laughs> yes, yeah. No, and it has. And it look and it's been really difficult for people. But again, I think at the same time, and we were talking about this a little bit earlier. That whole community piece and where people live and their 5K and their 10K, I think that's going to drive a lot of decisions for people as well, you know, because it's become much more important to kind of like where you live. Yeah, and 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 I would I would totally agree. Look, I'm blessed where I am now in terms of, you know, we can go for walks and things like that. But it, it has so in terms of lockdown has been, it, we we haven't been stuck in the house. We've been able to yeah, yeah, yeah. to to enjoy our our environment. So I definitely agree. Well, with the, you know, the last 12 month experiment, let's call it, do you think working from home and that kind of more acceptance from from remote working has, do you think it's leveled the playing field a a little bit between male and female in the workplace? Or do you think it's, you know, has it kind of, um, does one gender um, get get more, um, get more benefit from it? Yeah, so I think that's very interesting. And if I'm totally honest, I don't think we know the answer to that yet. Yeah. You know, because what you hear, you know, there's obviously when we're all on a Zoom call, it's a very different experience. Ten people on a Zoom call, Mm. you would think something, you know, you would think that maybe some of that unconscious bias would be lost. But really, I don't I I just don't think we know it yet. And what I hear anecdotally and what I see on the recruitment side as well is particularly when the kids were off school, like there was a lot of instances of um the mum sitting at the kitchen table with the laptop open trying to homeschool people. Yeah. Um, and that can't be good. You know, that's not good for your career. And the other thing we've seen as well is, you know, we've uh, maybe put job offers out to people and people just said, look, I just don't see how I can't go, you know, I can't accept this job offer at the moment because the kids are all still at home and we're homeschooling and I'm not in a position to take it up. So I just really don't know. I think it'll be really interesting. And sometimes people say, oh, do you do research in the area of how gender impact, gender has, mm. you know, a lot of what we do, that kind of consulting work, how gender has impacted, you know, uh, the whole working piece. And I'm like, I would love to, but I'm actually totally in the middle of that myself. Yeah. And everyone who works, like we're an all female team. Like we're all in this with skills. Like we don't have, to, we're the same as everyone else. We don't have time to bless ourselves, you know? With the contractors, Kira, is there, 
is there a demographic difference or does do male and female play, play a role in that? So do you know, it's really interesting because I was thinking about this more, it, that this morning, Christelle, and I think um, it's really, it's a little bit more complicated than say, you know, more men, uh, mm. what I find is it depends on the sector to a certain extent. So where we would have a lot of accountants and auditors out on contract, that's nearly all women, you know, and I think that really works for them. And like, and again, it works for companies as well. I know, I remember uh, one lady, you know, she's French and she would work on contract till the end of June. Then she'd be on the ferry to France on the 1st of July with the kids, happy out. And they were busy July, August, and they were happy not to have her in contract. Come September, she's back in Ireland, kids are back in school, she's back on contract again. You know what I mean? So I think that really works. So, and I see that in the digital marketing space as well. A lot of women contract because women really, you know, they really own that space, I think. But when I look at our contracting book, and so we've done a lot of work in, you know, companies more kind of commercial people looking for very strong commercial experience, looking for people to write business plans, mm-hmm. funding applications. Um, that's, I think, that's nearly all men. But it's more industry-led rather than, than actually yeah, being contractor. Yeah. But I do think that sometimes there's that pent-up demand. So we did, now this is back in the days when we could all meet in person. <laughs> I remember we had... Distant uh, memory. <laughs> it kind of is, you know. But we had an event in Dogpatch and it was all about contracting. And I would say it was like 90% of women showed up, you know, yeah. because I think contracting give you, if you're coming back into work, um, you know, whether it's after having kids or taking time out, contracting can be a really nice way to get in. And if you can manage it with a bit of flexibility, it can work really, really well. So, and often I do find that when women are contracting with us, it's generally the first time they've contracted. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But we'd be very happy to talk them through the process. We'd often refer people to like Contracting Plus to get set up. But mm. we kind of, you need a bit of confidence, I think, to go contracting. Mm-hmm. You need to, like, if you're going contracting anything, well, my contract's up at the end in like six months' time. And if you spend the last two months wondering whether your contract's going to be renewed, then contracting is not for you. Yeah. And I suppose even just for yourselves that, like, if I was still contracting, I have no idea what to do. So, you know, yeah. to be able to have that kind of, just that helping hand to say, well, this is this is how you do it. And it is actually an option. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's a lot of, I do think it's interesting that all the women, nearly all the women, this is the first time they've contracted and they've contracted through us. And there can be like that, that little bit of, oh, am I going to be responsible for lots of stuff now? And what? But again, you know, because contracting, it can be really lucrative. You know, it can be really, you know, if you're an accountant, you can be on a really good, or an auditor, or, you know, if you have really good skills, they can be really decent daily rates, you know, and it can really work out. Yeah, and I think you mentioned this in the beginning, and this is where I think the last 12 months have, and I wonder what the next 12 months will be, is that for contracting, I think the benefit for an organization is to hire the skills in that you don't currently have. So exactly around this auditing or maybe digital marketing or something like that, it's because maybe you don't have enough of a full-time role for that, or you don't have the expertise in-house. like, is that, do you think, from a company perspective, the biggest advantage for, for hiring contractors? Yeah, I think so. And it's interesting. So I think, again, uh, where we would see a lot of our companies coming from are those organizations where they're in that growth phase mm-hmm. and they're just so, you know, we need to be doing some digital marketing, but we're just not really sure. We definitely couldn't, you know, we don't need somebody five days a week or... Yeah. Or maybe we're going to try and do this project with someone for three months and see where that leads us. And so I think for those companies in that growth phase to have that agile talent, 
I think it's really, really useful. Um, I also think sometimes it can be certainly for other organizations to use, you know, a lot of the people, like particularly on the IT and the accounting side, a lot of our people would have that kind of big four background. You know, they've worked in Accenture, mm-hmm. they've worked in EY. And to be frank, it's a lot cheaper to access them through us than to knock on the door of Accenture and see their daily rates. You know, so what we would say is you're getting the same skills, like somebody who's worked there for years, but you're just not paying those crazy rates, you know? So again, that works out really well. And I think as well, it's different, you know, and I know we might talk about this, but it's different to, you know, it's, we're all kind of moving, you know, like if you were now to, let's say, you know, let's say your Airbnb or you don't need to own everything. I think for a while there was, there was this feeling like, you know, if you're a good employee, I need to, I need to own you to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Now I think people are a bit more like, I need to tap into that talent. I might need that talent in 18 months time, but right now that's something that I need. Yeah. And I, I, I think we're, I think we're kind of used to that now a little bit. It's, is that, yeah, that you don't have to have 200 employees. You can have 50 strong ones and and be able to outsource the rest of it or not even outsource but kind of contract in when you need exactly um, exactly and, and you know i mean we even do it ourselves like we're doing a piece of marketing now with somebody who knows our business she's going to work with us for six months and um, i'm really excited about it and but we don't need her like it's absolutely yeah. the way we would need her full time you know what i mean but then in six months time i'll probably be talking to her again and saying actually maybe we might come back and do that now you know but she's really expert in what she does and it's just and so this why would i for example hire like i just wouldn't hire somebody permanently yeah. to do that, so that kind of thing for me you know? do you think um so i mean back you know we're talking about we're very heavy on culture here and for us in terms of which is our own experience um you know we've had contractors in that they they do embrace our culture and it's really important right. to us that they understand that what we stand for and what we what we i suppose what we want to get across do you think if you, not that you build your company around contractors, but if you do have a lot of contractors, does it affect your culture? Do you need to make them part of the team or does it just yeah. depend on the role? No, I think it's really important to make them part of the team. Absolutely. And I know, like, so back when I, like, my previous life, I used to be an IT project <laughs> manager. And um, like that, I would have a mix of permanent contractors on my team and I you know I always really try to make everybody feel the same. Like I think it's really important to feel the mm-hmm. same, you know, and that everybody is communicated to the same way. That everybody is, you know, if there's town hall meetings, if there's, uh, you know, if there's team events. I think it's. I I just think I just don't know what you're what you're gaining by not treating everyone the same. Yeah. You know? I really don't. I just don't think you're gaining anything, and I think you're losing quite a lot. Um. I think as organizations get bigger, I think that can be much harder, you know. Um, I know when we place people in, because they're so experienced, it has never been an issue, you know, because people see, oh, this person's just really experienced and they're able to well slot in. I do know, like, I worked in, you know, I worked in large multinationals myself as a contractor. And sometimes there is that divide a little bit mm-hmm. between this is the contractor base and this is the permanent employee base you do hear stories sometimes I don't think I just again I don't think you're winning anything you're just not gaining anything you know and you're all there trying to do the same job you know everybody's working the hours everybody wants it to succeed and I think you need to put time into making sure that really doesn't happen um 
I, I, I would agree with you. What do you think the future of work will look like here? Oh, okay. Well, that's <laughs> a great question. <laughs> um, and it's what you know, we're actually doing uh, research with DCU on this at the moment. So um, I might even ask you to include our survey link if yes. that was okay. But it's academic research all about what is the future work going to look like. And what we did was we did a focus groups with our customers with DCU back before Christmas. And it was very interesting to see what came out of that. And one of the things I found most interesting was one of the companies, one of our customers who was really, they had really pivoted like that. You know what I mean? That first week, remember that first week, that March 17th week, they had, their CEO had said, okay, everyone's now working from home. Here's a 200 euro voucher. Go get everyone whatever you need. Okay. okay. Like in that first week before anybody else had even gotten there. And I think what was interesting about that was he had had, his background was a military background. So he was very much, plan A has failed. We've now moved straight on to plan B. Whereas I think the rest of the country was hanging on to plan A saying, <laughs> we're going to go back next week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's happening here, you know? <laughs> but I just think that, you know, like we do have a passion for diversity and inclusion. And to me, that's a really good example of somebody with a diverse experience in a tech company coming in and seeing things differently and pivoting faster. So I suppose when we talk to our customers, we do see those people who pivoted faster, they've done better and they've managed it better. I think people who have given people agency have done better as well. So like that, there's a 200 euro voucher, go get what you need. I'm not going to tell you what you need, you just go figure that out. And actually in one of the focus groups, and this isn't a customer of ours, but I thought it was great, they were all given a voucher to go buy whatever they wanted right it was like a voucher it was like 150 euros just buy something that's going to you know cheer you up everyone's working really hard they had definitely been impacted and one girl went off and bought herself a bunny (laughs) and she was so so happy she got this bunny rabbit in her apartment in dublin you know super happy like no one would ever no one would ever buy that for her you know what i mean so i suppose when i look at the future of work this post-pandemic work i think like that People will want agency. I do think um, remote working will be a huge trend. I think that piece of all of us uh, being in city centre offices, you know, it's hard to see that coming back in the same way as before. I do think that remote working, as we look at again, it's a bit, again, it's a bit like contracting, it's a bit more nuanced. Um, when I look, so where you're in, you know, the hinge, right? Mm-hmm. So, that is going to fly, I think. You know, people have great the quality of life. Yeah. Yeah. Great quality of life. You can go surfing, you can get amazing coffee, you get lobster. Like <laughs> it's amazing. Places like that I think are going to do really, really well post pandemic. And I do think where I live in kind of a coastal village in the north of Dublin, that is going to do really well. Because as well, while we're having a nice quality of life, we always have access to third level institutions. Yeah. Uh, we have access to airports. Um so there's you know, and if we needed to get to a city centre, we could do it easily. When I look at, for example, where my mother is from on the Galway Roscommon border, you know, the last pub closed down during the pandemic. And um, myself, and my sister, it's like a smashed avocado free zone. You know what I mean? Yeah, there yeah. is no coffee barista hanging out there. I don't see places like that coming back in the same way for that whole remote working piece. I think now as we move on, it'll all be this hybrid working. What does that look like? And I think we've learned so much. So, for example, I see companies doing Zoom free Fridays. So no Zoom on a Friday. I think that will become really popular. I think it will move to maybe two days a week coming in. I think what will be 
what would be really interesting for people is how will they manage that whole collaborative piece and that's what I'm hearing from people how will we collaborate so how are people going to manage that being in that same space and then going away again um, and again that's something that we're looking at we're, do, we're running a training program actually upskilling for the virtual world because again what we're hearing from our customers on the training side is managing people remotely is a completely different skill to managing people when you're all in the office and she's like the reality is some of our people aren't doing that really well you know yeah. some of our people are doing it well some of our people aren't doing it really well and it's just it's a different ball game so again we're all, we're all on this huge learning curve together you know but yeah absolutely it'll be hybrid work it'll be collaborative work it will also be about what does it mean to work virtually mm-hmm. how do we well and how do we manage people virtually yeah, I actually think you're you're 100 right. But the the two points I'm, I'm going to jump on is the managing remotely because it is totally different. And I, I've I think I've said this a few times. I'll use the line again as a as an example. You know, I manage a team and just to touch base weekly. Like obviously we have stand ups every day and things like that. But just to have that weekly reach out to say, do you need anything? And they're like, well, I need a monitor or I need you know whatever because you you don't see it every day. So you do actually have to reach out and say. Is there anything that you actually need? Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's it's a totally different thing. Um, and the other thing, we actually had um, Ashlyn Curtis from Microsoft on um, a few weeks ago, and they had done this research. It was really interesting in terms of remote work that um, the area that's affected is the creativity side of it, mm-hmm. which, you know, it, it because you have to schedule it now, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's true. You know, so, you know, whereas usually it might just organically happen or you're sitting around a table, four or five people and you're, you know, you're you're kind of um, spitballing over each other and you're kind of that. So it's different. But I think that so. So how do you do it remotely? How do you do it virtually? I don't think I don't think it's I don't think you can't. But I think that people need to learn how to do it remotely and virtually. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would agree with you. And it is that learning and it's being. I don't know, forgiving and we're all learning as we go through it and it is about making that effort. And I know myself, it is completely different um, managing people remotely and just really trying to maintain that team and yeah. having everyone communicate to as well so everybody knows what's happening, you know. It's, it is, it's a different skill set and I think we're all learning as we go. Yeah, and I would say, I, I hope you agree, it's, it's not about... Uh, drinks zoom drinks or zoom yoga and whatever no, no <laughs> more no. than that <laughs> yeah it is but it's funny we all thought that at the start you know yes we did and everyone went into it with the best of intentions and now everybody's right back out of it again <laughs> <laughs> well actually for us what works well for us here is that because we did we you know we we did jump on that bandwagon and we had oh, our yoga and <laughs> yes totally and everyone thought they were doing the best you know what I mean yeah but we try to do it in smaller groups now Rather than having okay. rather than having 30, 30 people on the Zoom call, we kind of do them in fives or sixes with people with different um, from different departments because they, you know, it may have organically happened in the office that they may have had a coffee or something you bumped into them. Whereas now, we find that some departments may never speak to each other because they don't they don't need yeah. the need. Yeah. So um, so we try to do smaller groups of fours and fives, which I think is, is working a bit better. But yes, it is the mass experiment, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, no, it is interesting. And I know some of our customers are talking about putting people in neighborhoods. You know, I think that's yes. interesting. So you're in a neighborhood and you're in a... 
you know, it's going to, and other, and it's funny because another one of our customers said, you know what, we're just going to assume no one's going back into the office for 2021 because they felt it was just taking up so much headspace. They were a really large company, you know, mm-hmm. it's taking up so much headspace to figure out what will it look like, temperature checks, do this. It's, mm-hmm. just, it's just not happening for 2021. We'll figure it out in 2022. I think that's the best way to do it here because exactly like you said, are we, are we having two desks between people? What are we going to do? Who's yeah. going to sign in? Who's coming in Mondays? Who's coming in Wednesdays? It's, it's difficult. I do feel. Yeah. yeah, and I have to. I really feel for HR people over the last twelve months. I think it's been really tough for them. I think it's been, you know, there's a lot of things we've never had to consider. Yes. All of a sudden, on our plate, and again, even like that, I spoke to somebody else the other day, and they had. Now, this wasn't a customer of ours, <laughs> but they had. But she was just sharing in that focus group we ran with TCU. They were, she was sharing that. So over the course of the pandemic, she had hired somebody, managed somebody, and fired them without ever having met them. Yes, yes, very difficult. So hard, and like such a bad experience for both of them, you know, yeah. really tough. No, but and like it that. is, yeah, really hard. And I would say, and I, I've said this a few times, is that like hiring people remotely is hard. Yeah, 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 it is hard. And it's funny, at the start, we were looking at like video interviewing and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, just people meeting people over Zoom. And that seems to be back working quite well again. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's, and I, but I think, I don't know, do you agree, Curious? It is a, it is a time for people to try things as well. You know, it's mm. because nobody actually has the answers. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's the main thing is to try. And like that, like when I was talking about that uh, story about that guy who just in that first week pivoted just to pivot really, really quickly. You know, yes. this is working, this isn't working. Let's just keep moving and let's figure it out, you know? Yeah, because if somebody has the, the golden answer, please get in touch with us. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Kira, thank you so much for speaking to us. What is the best way for people to get in contact with you? Okay, great. Well, look, I say... Um, you know, my email address is kira at workjuggle.com. So if anybody absolutely reach out to me there, that's usually the best place. We are on Instagram at workjuggle and we're on the LinkedIn on workjuggle as well. And and obviously we have our website, www.workjuggle.com. But absolutely do get in touch, particularly um, if you're interested in hiring or I would love, 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 love if people help fill out our survey with DCU. Yes. And to be honest, right, because it's an academic research survey, it's like 10 minutes long, you know? <laughs> like it's not one of these click, click, click. But I suppose the idea is we'll get a lot of richness out of that, you know, we'll get something that'll be really useful going forward. So um, I might send you the link to that if that's yeah. okay. Yeah, and we will include the link with the, the podcast and we're pushing it out as well. So please, anybody to um, to, to fill it out. And, yeah, uh, that would be really helpful, particularly anybody who has a hate background or who is working in HR, because really we're trying to figure out, like that, no one has the answers. You know, what do organisations, what are, what are they going to need going forward? And what do they think their people are going to need going forward? And we're all, yeah, we're all just figuring it out together. And I think that's the key. And people have different experiences. So let's yeah, very much so. try to think. So thank you so much, Kira. And we shall talk to you again soon. Take care. Super. Thanks a lot, Crystal. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Check us out at hrlocker.com. The show was hosted by Christelle Rin and produced by Jenny Martin. Subscribe to catch the latest episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you like to get your podcasts. If you'd like to feature, get in touch by emailing us at marketing at hrlocker.com. You can also follow HR Locker on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn.